We're diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into a San Francisco edition of the Redbird Report. I'm Brad Thompson. I'm your host, and what a welcome it was to Oracle Park last night. High drive. Left field. Out of here. That was the legendary voice of the Giants, John Miller on KNBR, as J.D. Davis hit his fifth home run of the season, a three-run homer, two outs, bottom of the seventh, a 2-0 count against Drew Verhagen. He throws him the cement mixer cutter. J.D. Davis deposits it after a run had already come in via a sack fly as the Cardinals drop yet another series opener 4 to nothing against the San Francisco Giants. Guys, things have not gone well. First of all, how do you go 0-8 in series openers? Like, that is crazy what is happening right now. It seems like you're in well, – what doesn't seem like. You are literally in the hole – every single series that the Cardinals are playing in. And when you do that, it makes it very difficult to end up winning series. And to that point, the Cardinals right now, as we sit here with a record of 9-14, and which is only one game better than the Reds, by the way, not exactly the company that you're looking to keep, but the Cardinals have only won two series. You win the opening series against the Toronto Blue Jays, which, boy, what a difference almost a month makes because we were riding high after that one. You take two or three from a team that many believe will compete for the East Championship, a lot of picks for the Blue Jays to win the World Series, and uh, you take two or three from them, you felt good, and then the Braves came to town. You're like, whoa, wow, that's is that what it looks like? Because the Braves are pretty darn good. And then it just hasn't clicked since then. The uh, only other series that the Cardinals have won to this point, they took two of three from the Colorado Rockies, which is not really worth writing home about. The Cardinals, look, there's no way around it. They have not played up to their expectations. They have underperformed wildly and pretty much have done so in every aspect of the game. Now, when I say that, it's not like you look at some of the numbers offensively, and we can run over the numbers if you want. We've done it a bunch. But you talk about the Cardinals offense, like they're right there in the top five, top ten of most things offensively. But for some reason or another, they're not able to produce runs when it means the most. Even when you're looking at like average with runners in scoring position, it's a very basic thing because that's the first thing that we look at is like clutch, right? Average with runners in scoring position. They're eighth. It's not computing because when you're looking at runs per game right now for this Cardinals offense, it's 4.52 runs per game. That is dead center right in the middle of the pack at 15th. So they're hitting for average. They, they're getting their extra base hits. You'd love to see more long ball out of the Cardinals, tied for 11th with 27 home runs, getting on base the, at the third highest clip in the league. They're doing all of these things, but not producing runs to the extent that they need them. And they've needed more and more runs. First of all, I think that they're just better than a 4.52 runs per game offense. But two, we know in large part that the starting staff has not been good. And that's the maddening thing about wasting a good start by Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery, the tough luck loser boy in game one of the series here against the San Francisco Giants, 
He went out there. He dealt for six innings. First inning, bent but didn't break. It took 31 pitches for Jordan Montgomery to get through the first inning. The Giants ended up getting some reinforcements in this ball game. They had struggled mightily against left-handed pitching. While well, Austin Slater, he came back from a hamstring injury. Mitch Hanniger, he came back from an oblique injury. They signed him to a three-year deal this offseason. And both of those guys ended up getting on in the first inning. Slater singled to lead off the game. Tyro Estrada, who has been playing some really good baseball here as of late, he was a pain in the tail in the first inning. A 13-pitch at bat that Montgomery finally ended up striking him out. Hanniger walks. J.D. Davis ended up singling to right on a curveball. All of a sudden, you got the bases juiced, and you're thinking, oh, crap, here we go again. Like, here's the starting rotation again. Remember last time, season high in hits, season high in runs for Jordan Montgomery, surrendered 10 hits, 7 runs against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you say, all right, well, this is happening again. Well, he jams Conforto with a good fastball in on his hands, pops up uh, to Contreras, the catcher. You got two outs, and then he punched out Wilmer Flores on a 3-2 changeup. Big pitch, big momentum shifter. The Giants ended up stranding five runs in the first two innings, and you thought to yourself, okay, all right, then we're going to be able to roll a little bit here. You're going to take that momentum and ride into it, and Jordan Montgomery did his part. Jordan ended up going six-plus innings in this game, five hits, one run, that run unearned. We'll get to that in a second, and he struck out six through 107 pitches and did his job. Back-to-back quality starts for the Cardinals for the first time this year, which is obscene, honestly, at this point. You're 23 games into the season, and you have four quality starts now in total. We all know that has been a big issue. Will it continue to be an issue? Don't know. Don't know, but it has been an issue to this point. But Jack Flaherty gave you a very good performance, punching out nine on Sunday in the win against the Seattle Mariners. And Jordan Montgomery follows in kind with six strong innings of his own. Now, the error that was in the seventh inning, they bring him out again, bring Montgomery out again. Pitch count already elevated, but they bring him out to face Mike Yastrzemski. They wanted to keep the left-on-left matchup as Yastrzemski is a lot better against right-handed pitching, and Jordan makes his pitch. He gets him to ground to second base. Unfortunately, Tommy Edmond gets caught in between hops. It wasn't the long hop, wasn't the short one. Gets handcuffed. It kicks off him, kicks off far enough where he can't make a play on Yastrzemski, who is hustling the whole way, and then it snowball. Cardinals end up going to the bullpen. Drew Verhagen comes in. Uh, he gives up a single to Joey Bart. Joey Bart ended up leaving the game, had an injury. Sable came in after him. Then Austin Slater got pinch hit for by Jock Peterson. We know how good Jock Peterson is against the lefties. You got runners on second and third at this point. Ollie Marmol and the staff make the decision, and I believe the wise decision, to end up walking Peterson intentionally. So you load the bases up. Verhagen strikes out Tyro Estrada. He gets Hanniger, but Hanniger flies out, a very productive out to bring in the first run of the ball game in the seventh inning, flies out to right sack fly. And you think, all right, well, if you can limit the damage right here, you're going to be good to go. Good to go, probably the wrong term, but at least give yourself a chance in that situation. He falls behind J.D. Davis 
2-0. You heard the highlight. Next pitch, it's a cutter. It backs up. It's right in the wheelhouse of J.D. Davis, and he hits his fifth home run of the year. It's the 34th home run of the season for the Giants, who that's where their offense is coming from. It's via the long ball, and it ends up being the backbreaker against the St. Louis Cardinals. The error certainly uncharacteristic from Tommy Edmond, one of the best defenders on the team, the Gold Glover. He had shifted over to second base in this ball game because of the return over the weekend and a very good return. And maybe we'll talk about him and again in a minute of Paul DeYoung, who had a big day. But playing second base, routine ground ball, gets caught in between and just clanks it and the wheels fell off. And that's just what is happening to the Cardinals right now. Nothing is going right. Nothing. You hit on a given day. Seems you don't pitch. You pitch on a given day. Seems you don't hit. You do both on a given day. You don't feel. Starter does well. Bullpen struggles. Like, there's something seemingly every day for a team that has loftier expectations than sitting near the basement of the Central with the Cincinnati Reds. You know the ball club is better. Like, you know, like, as angry as you are as a fan right now, and I understand. Like, I, I get it. I'm, I'm watching these games pretty closely, too. It gets frustrating. And I promise you it's frustrating for those guys in the room. But nothing is going right. You have to believe that they are a heck of a lot better than they're playing right now. But I guess the old adage, you are what your record says you are, this is what the Cardinals are right now. So what do you do? Like, what what do you do? First of all, how do you even handle this on a day-to-day? If you are the manager, if you're Ollie Marmol, what do you do and how do you handle it when it feels like your team can't catch a break? Uh, We can't. And uh, that's just the reality of where we are. Uh, You got a pretty – a mentally tough team, I'll tell you that. They're not going to give in. Um, other people would. I'm telling you that there's there's no way anybody in that clubhouse, staff, player included, is going to give in to what's going on right now. So we'll embrace it. We'll wake up tomorrow morning and get after it again. That was Ollie Marmel, manager of the Cardinals, obviously. And, look, it sucks. It, it really does suck when you're going out there. Look, they've mixed up lineups. They've tried different things defensively. You start the season like having a young 20-year-old outfielder in Jordan Walker make the club because you believe it's going to be better for you. You've mixed and matched some pieces in and out. It's just not working for one reason or another right now. And to Ollie's point, I guess, what can you do? Like you're 23 games into the season. You can't pack it in, and you can't panic either. Like what, what does that do? Like the freaking out over every at-bat. I think that all of us know this. Whatever it is that you do in life, if you do it in like a state of panic or, or worry or concern, like you feel like whatever the task is that you're doing right there is the be-all, end-all, and everything rides on it, sometimes that just doesn't bring out the best in you. Now, with that being said, there is frustration. There's a ton of frustration. These guys are angry. They're upset, and they're putting in work, and they're trying to figure it out and trying to get it done on a day-to-day basis, but that work hasn't come to fruition yet. So you keep working. Like, that's what you do. That's what you've done your entire life is you've worked. To get to the big leagues, you have to succeed. But through success is a lot of failure, and the Cardinals are failing way more than they would like to as a collective team right now. 
So in times like this, you lean on your leaders, don't you? I mean, uh, at least that's been my experience, especially if you're a younger player. Like, you don't know what this is like, and you've never felt some of these feelings that you're having. You've never had the media in your face. You've never felt that that disappointment of, man, we're not getting it done, and all these eyes are on us. So one of the biggest leaders on this ball club is Paul Goldschmidt. And Goldie was asked after the game by our good friend Katie Wu of The Athletic, how, as a leader of the team, how do you manage the emotions when things are going the way they're going currently? We're used to uh, dealing with ups and downs in this game. We've all been doing it our, our whole lives, really. So, you know, I think our focus just is to turn to the next game and to get ready or the next pitch if it's going on. So, you know, we don't really dwell on what's happened and just figure out you know what we need to you know do the next day to try to win well certainly seems like a healthy approach right to be able to go out there and do that focus on the next task at hand and I believe that a guy like Goldie can do that Goldie's been through ups he's been through downs an MVP a year ago he is on a hall of fame trajectory for his career I think that he can do that and the key is getting others to be able to do it with you, taking some of these young guys with you along the ride. He and Nolan are the best players on the team, obviously, and they are your leaders, right? Those are the guys that you're going to look to in times of troubles as uh, as a teammate. And as long as the messaging and the working is consistent, then the product will come out at some point again. And, and maybe I've, I sound like a broken record, and this might happen 162 games in. I might sit here and just be like, boy, I thought this team was better on paper. I just still truly believe that they are better than the collection of their parts right now. And again, that's not to say that there are not issues with this roster. I think there are. I think that the rotation still is an issue. You look, they're 26th in ERA. Like, that's a real problem. Going back to the idea of four quality starts through 23 games, that's a problem. And there's a chance that that's going to be a problem that is going to have to be addressed by the front office at some point. Uh Wayno will be back soon enough. We hope that that ends up making an impact. You would think that Jake Woodford will slide into the bullpen. Chances are that would give you a prototypical long guy. I know that Wilking Rodriguez, reliever, is making his way back. All the reports have been good on him, give you another hard-throwing option. But this pitching staff just needs to be better. You need to go out there every day believing that your starter can give you at least six innings. And I think that that might have been part of pushing Montgomery out there for another out. The matchup was good, but the pitch count was over 100 as they try to get him to get Yastrzemski. I think that that was part of like Ollie and Dusty saying, hey guys, the expectation level changes a little bit here. Like, let's go push a little bit. Let's get further. Let's expect to be out there in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, uh, ninth inning because I don't know about you guys, I'm not expecting a Cardinal starter to be standing there in the seventh inning. I'm already trying to think ahead of where your best matchups are, who's available in the bullpen. It would be nice to be able to roll out some good pitching performances night in, night out to give your team a chance. So there are certainly some issues with the ball club. Any club with playoff aspirations, championship aspirations, a belief that they are going to be the best team even in the division, and they are far behind now, currently seven games back of the, wait for it, Pittsburgh Pirates, who are 16-7. and You talk about a remarkable story. How about the Pittsburgh Pirates, what they're doing? Uh, Is it sustainable? Probably not. Like, just in the same way that the struggles of the Cardinals – are probably not sustainable. And that is like an interesting way to look at it. I love 
the Cinderella story. I think they're fantastic. They're fun. It's good for baseball. It's good for all sports. But those don't tend to last through 162 games, do they? Do you look at the Pirates roster and be like, yeah, no, that's that's got it. Do you look at their pitching staff and say, mm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's a group that can get you through 162 games? Like, chances are you don't. Are they an improved ball club? Yes. Does Derek Shelton do a good job with them? I believe he does. I think he's coaching them up at the big league level, but there is no way that this team is going to run away with the division. They've won seven games in a row. The Cardinals haven't had a winning streak yet. It hasn't happened. I consider that three. Okay, two is two in a row. Three is a streak. The Cardinals haven't had a freaking winning streak yet. There's no way that happens continuously. So here's the question. Who do you blame? Everybody wants to play the blame game when things aren't going well. Who is it? Is your first uh, thought the manager? You want to blame blame Ollie? This is on him. Look, I get it. I understand that. And so does he. That's the name of the game, right? You're the big league manager. You are not performing the way that everybody wants you to. You're not performing the way that you want you to. You are going to be in the crosshairs. What would you be doing differently if you were Ollie? Like, is there something with the lineup that you do differently? with the rotation, with the utilization of his bullpen defensively, would you mix some things up? Because I feel like he's done a bunch of different tweaking here and there. He's given runway to certain players. Then he's mix and matched. Like, I'm not sure, and I'm not trying to be a homer here. I mean, I'm a big fan of Ollie's, but not trying to be a homer here and, and just protect him. I'm not sure what he could be doing differently other than executing pitches for guys and taking some at-bats in big spots. If he could do that, chances are he might not be managing. He'd probably be sitting on all of his millions of dollars from his playing career. His job is, and the coaching staff's job is, to put these guys in their best position to succeed. And day in and day out, it seems like that's what he's doing. Now, the success isn't coming, and it goes back to kind of what Goldie was saying of the focus on the next day. Talked to Ollie last night. Said, well, time to go to work and figure out what is the best lineup against Brebbia in a bullpen game against the Giants so we can get this thing changed. Like, the work never stops. The frustration never ends, and the staff is never satisfied. But if that's where, like, the, the fingers are pointed for you, I, I get it. And, again, they get it as a coaching staff. Is it the front office? I think it's another easy one to look at. We all came into this season saying, hey, the Cardinals don't really have, they've got some depth, but they don't have a guy at the top of their rotation. How nice would it be to be able to have, you don't want to have the downturn that the Cardinals have had, but if you had some rough patch and then you knew, though, in a day or two days or three days, whatever it is, that that guy was going to be on the mound and he was going to change everything for you, I'm telling you that's a difference changer for a clubhouse to know you have that shutdown guy. But I also know that it's a difference changer to a clubhouse to know that you have the reigning freaking MVP on your team, the guy that came in third as well. You got gold glovers everywhere. Like, there's confidence in that also. It goes back to the complete team. So the starting staff hasn't got the job done, but if you are looking at the front office saying, well, you only went out there and signed Wilson Contreras, Contreras, who, by the way, has been a lot hotter as of late, uh, and so is the temper as he shattered a bat over the weekend in front of Dan Iasonia. And, uh, you know, me being the idiot that I am, I go, wow, looks like 
he didn't at least say any magic word. No, nope, never mind. Here he comes getting kicked out once he got to the dugout. I was shocked that Dan Isonia didn't throw out Wilson Contreras right after he splintered his bat in front of him, just slammed it on the ground, uh, but showed a little restraint until he said a couple of magic words in the dugout. But Wilson Contreras was the big pickup for the Cardinals this offseason, did not address the pitching staff, and... The pitching staff has been a problem. So if you're looking at the front office, sure. Like, uh, you, I think that you can say that also. Are you in the camp of putting the onus on the players? These guys are put in the position to succeed. All the preparation is there for them, whether it be analytical work, cage work, ground ball work, bullpens, all of these different things. Like, you're putting in the work, and these guys aren't getting it done, at least not getting it done consistently. We're seeing good individual performances here and there. There are some bright spots of the season. Certainly, you look at the turnaround that Nolan Gorman has had. I mean, that has been incredible to watch him. But I think that the answer is, the answer is yes. Uh, of who is to blame? Yes, everyone. Everyone is to blame a little bit for the 9-14 record that the Cardinals currently have as they head into Game 2 against the Giants. Everyone is to blame for that. Just like when it turns, everyone will be given credit for what happens afterward because everyone is in on this. It's a collaborative effort. Win, lose, or draw, they're a team. And it sucks to be going through times like this, but that's where they are. Did want to circle back, though, as we've talked about all this doom and gloom and all these struggles that the Cardinals have had. And boy, I want to do a positive podcast one of these days. That would be a lot of fun because you guys know me. I like to have fun. I like to be positive. Did want to hit on a positive thing. And who knows how long it's going to continue to be positive to be for quite some time. Paul DeYoung came back over the weekend, had a three-hit day on Sunday, a couple of singles, a home run. And it was just so nice to see Paul DeYoung, make it back to the big leagues, be healthy, and then produce in the first game. We all know the contract. We all know the reason that he's been given more and more opportunities over the last couple of years as he struggled. Last three years, he's hitting 196 combined from 2020 to 2022. Not what you're looking for out of a guy that you paid some money. We all know that. We've all documented the struggles of Paul DeYoung. But he came back. He had a big day in game one. Did get the start again in game two against Alex Cobb. He grounded out three times. Cobb got eight. 18 outs, 18 outs on the ground as he ended up getting a complete game shutout. It was his second shutout of his career. I believe the first shutout he's had in like 12 years. Um, it's been a while for him, but he looked fantastic. I think the Cardinals made him look even better. But Paul DeYoung being able to come back, have that good day. It is going to be very interesting, though, how you utilize your infielders. Because who, who do you want to leave out on a given day? Donovan, you want to leave Donovan out? All he did was make another couple of fantastic plays playing over at third base as the Cardinals gave Nolan Arenado an off day. Which, by the way, just quick aside with Nolan Arenado and his off day, you're going to schedule off days for your big guys anyhow. You can tell he's been battling himself a little bit. All Nolan did on his off day was get to the ballpark way before everybody else with the Cardinals hitting staff he was hitting forever 
like he was hitting for a very long time trying to get some things right. I'm telling you, you can talk about guys that are pissed off. Nolan is angry. He's angry about himself, how things are going. He's angry how things are going with the club. And that's a good thing. Like, he, he cares so much. He's not mad at his teammates. He's not mad at his coaches. He's mad about why and how things are going down right now for a club that he knows is way better than they are playing. But going back to the infield shuffle, look, you were able to, in the ball game yesterday, get Donovan, Edmund, and DeYoung in there because of the off day of Nolan Arenado. It's going to be an interesting thing here moving forward if, and this is if, DeYoung is still swinging the bat well, that where do you put all these guys? Because I don't see a lineup where you can have Arnato, Donovan, DeYoung, and Edmund in it generally, unless you're pulling away from your outfield. Maybe you put Donovan out there, and remember, you got to have Gorman in there every freaking day the way that he's swinging the bat. So you got a lot of moving parts, and you got to figure out when to give a guy more runway, when to do the mixing and matching. This is something I talked to Ali about before the game the other day. I go, how do you know? Like, how, how do you know when is a time to give a guy a run when do you get him out there more and more and when do you play the matchups and he said it really is a balance and and a lot of it is feel so he's going to have to work on the feel here in between all of these guys in the infield mix and the outfield mix because one thing that this team has not seen is somebody take one of these jobs and run with it remember the outfield was a competition in spring training it continued to be a competition during the season. Who has run with a job in the outfield? I think that the only answer to this point is probably Lars Newtbar, right? And Newt missed some time with a thumb injury that he sustained on opening day. But Newt's been getting on base at a very high clip. Uh, loved seeing what we saw off the top the other day as he hit a leadoff home run against the Mariners. But nobody's been really running with this job as well. So it's like every day playing the matchups seems like the smart thing to do. And it's not just like handedness, like righty, lefty. They dig into everything. They dig into, and this might bother the old head baseball fan, but they're digging into the spin rates and they're digging into the arm path and the pitch profiles and then how they match up against the swing profiles of different guys. Just for example, uh, a guy like Tyler O'Neill who has got a undercut. like He kind of swings up at the baseball, does not handle the baseball at the top of the zone incredibly well. Look, well, he's not going to be a good matchup for some of these guys that pitch up, even though it looks like it's like, oh, well, this this seemed like on paper it might be good. There are some matchups that they dig into a little bit further and don't believe are advantageous. Like, when you don't have anybody running away with a job, that's kind of how you have to make decisions based upon information. Like, you got to base it on information. You've got what you've got, you take it, you try to throw it in there, and you try to throw out the best lineup that you could possibly have. But I'll tell you what, I don't envy the position. I don't think I'd want to be the manager of a big league ball club. It's probably all great when things are going well, everything's clicking, every decision that you make is perfect, everybody loves you. When things are not going well, boy, it's not an enviable position, that is for sure. But the hope is that all of these decisions, all of the work that's putting in, starts turning to brighter days. I'm pretty sure I've said something similar to that in the last few podcasts. But I do believe it. I do. I really do. The collection of talent is far too great to be five games under 500. You know the Cardinals have not had a month or month plus of March, April of being under 500 
since 2007. It has been so long since we've seen these early season struggles for the Cardinals. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Brad, you were probably a part of that team. Yeah, I was part of the reason that that team in 2007 was uh, a few games under 500. We were struggling a little bit. That World Series hangover, it happens. And, you know, injuries left and right, that happens as well. But this team, in for, for the most part, they've been healthy. They just have not been productive. Maybe that production starts tonight. Jake Woodford is going to be on the mound for the Birds, trying to even up the series. He picked up his first win of the year against the Diamondbacks last time out. He is going to be opposed by one of our favorites. John Brebbia is going to be on the mound. I was watching some video of Brebs the other day. He was up to like 97 out of the pen the other day for the Giants. So don't know. He'll probably be in there for an inning, maybe two innings. But it will be a bullpen day, which are always really fun fun to prepare for but the Cardinals got to get back on the winning track you got four games here three left against the Giants they head down the coast to LA starting a three-game set on Friday and it's been an early season gauntlet for the Cardinals it really has the schedule has been tough the struggles have been maddening but there's a whole lot of baseball left to play and it's time for them to get things going it's cardinals it's giants 8:40 first pitch tonight look forward to catching up with you guys again soon can't wait for it to be some good stuff to talk about heck if they rattle off two wins in a row i'm going to get right back on this podcast because i want to talk about great stuff until then i'm brad thompson thanks for checking out the redbird report You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.